0: Coming up, we talk Nicholas Claxton. Is he ready to make a run for defensive player of the year? And what areas of his game need to expand so that he can become the all-around player Brooklyn so desperately needs? We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast
1: Network, your team every day.
0: Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Nori, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings, from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht breaking down the bounce-back New York football giants on the One Giant podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. I'll let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. With more props, odds, and lines than ever before, visit FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel, official sponsor of the NFL. And Doug, we're officially sponsoring Nicholas Claxton for Defensive Player of the Year. We're going to talk lines, the odds, players in front of him, and then just his role overall and what we expect to be the next step of his game this season. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, Claxton, you know, made a push for this last year, at least um, beginning of the season, where he, I think at one point the highest he got was third in odds for uh, Defensive Player of the Year. It ended up dropping. It actually dropped specifically in turn with the, the trade deadline, right? It helps to be on good teams. <laughs> it, it helps to be on really, really good teams when you're going for Defensive Player of the Year. But like Cam Thomas that we talked about yesterday, um, we thought it'd be interesting to start looking through these end-of-the-season awards as they stand uh, just in terms of different markets and looking like, you know, what is the path in this, in this case for awards victory uh for different guys on the nets, which I, which I think there are when you can tell yourself about it. And and honestly with Claxton, you know, we'll get into some of the stats and all the other stuff, but just remember last year at one point in the season, just to reiterate, he was third overall in DPOI um, odds, which is what, you yeah. know, which would you take as reflection of current, attitudes about a player right so it ended up tailing off he ultimately finished ninth in the award voting but going into the season I'm no one had him in the top 10 in terms of that award overall for sure he spiked it and got pretty high and the question now is whether he can get there again and like what is the actual ceiling when you talk about his defense because I think that's a ultimately that's what it comes down to is like what the Nets actually have in Claxton when it comes to him as an overall defender.
0: Yeah, we'll get into where he is uh, over on FanDuel obviously the guys that are around him and and how high these expectations needs to go. I guess if we want to drill down on before we talk stats and other elements, you just said it there. Can he take the next level defensively specifically, not even the all-around game because that's that's a compliment to him being able to stay on the court and be as effective a po- as possible in his defensive role. To me, it is the switching defense And taking that to the next level in terms of being a stifling shutdown on ball defender. We've been very complimentary, rightfully so, around the fact that you can take him out away from the basket. He can switch essentially one through five. He can keep himself in front of the ball all the way to the rim. Know he's an elite rim protector. We know the things that he does. But I need to see him now probably be able to take on one of those switches, say with a three, and get after him. And force the issue and probably start to talk about getting some steals and some breakups in that regard, rather than as complimentary as it is, be someone who can keep that assignment in front of him. But you may still get your shot off. You may still be able to work out of that coverage, right? He's versatile right now. Now I need him to kind of be on ball. Talk about can he be elite in that regard? Does that that seem right to you?
1: yeah, I don't know if that's like the exact thing I'm looking for in terms of like him making this overall ascension. I think he's basically there pro- frankly, right now uh, with that. I-, I think that if anything, he's probably underrated in terms of just what he is mm. as an on ball and off ball defender. I- like um I think the Nets fans, we understand it. To say that he's, you know, because we watched this team switches everything, uh, yep. for better or for worse. I like that's going to be the discussion about whether or not that should even be a, a core strategy all the way through all the time. We know the Nets under Vaughn have wanted to switch everything. Uh Claxton has been a key component of that because he can basically switch one through five and hold up on these different, like sort of perimeter switches. I'm not sure I need to see. I know what you're saying. Um, like, can he be sort of like this eye-popping? Like, so yes. when you think, I think maybe what you're saying is like, you know, when we peak Kawhi, right? Like Pete Kawhi was like, Hey, if you, if you got pulled on the Kawhi, he was just like, he was just kind of glove you up and it was over. Right. You mm-hmm. were just, you might as well pass. Um, I guess maybe you're saying is like, can he reach that level? Yeah. I'm not really sure, but he's really, I mean, in terms of just like big defenders, he's probably the best among this group at that specific thing already, right? He's not on the same level as the on-ball defender of like Kawhi or whatever. But among the the group of defensive bigs, I would probably say he's the best of that entire group at that specific thing, right? To get the switches. And I just wonder sometimes if it's not really, like if the greater NBA landscape doesn't really recognize that, right? Like if he's still sort of climbing in terms of overall, understanding that he can even do these things, which I think he basically can at this point.
0: You know, you actually touched on a a thing there. We talk about the on-ball defensive bigs. So there are these these categories that don't exist nearly in the same way they used to in the NBA. But you mentioned something about that, the the lockdown ability of a Kawhi Leonard. Now, to say that Nicholas Claxton needs to do (laughs) something on that skill set and that size of player are, are a couple of different things. But that visual of the ball gets switched to Kevin Durant for the Thunder and Nicholas Claxton gets anchored down in front of him and really up in his body with the ability to say, I'm right here in front of you and there's not going to be a situation where I'm drawing fouls. There's not going to be a situation where this is just to be chippy and just to be an irritant. And that's not speaking limiting of of what Nicholas Claxton can already do. But it probably is that. There's going to be these moments throughout the season, this upcoming year, where if you give me that, if I see that, Then I'm going to say whatever we already think of him, the NBA at large is going to recognize, oh, Nicholas Claxton for stretches of games can be looked to not only to be a rim protector and not only to be this defensive player in and around the basket, but also stepping out and saying on those switches, you can back off and trust your assignment because I'm going to take maybe one of the best or second best players off of the offensive end of the floor with consistency.
1: Yeah, if anything, it's like if anything, th- what what happens with him is like a little different. Because like he get he gets some of the, the, gets those switches, but when the Nets insist on switching everything, it just means they have mismatches elsewhere. So then they just get out of the they get out of the Claxton switch, and then you he right. never really gets to put it on display, right? Because because the other because what happens this, this mismatch on the switch becomes so egregious that it. It's just like, well, I don't even need to take this on. I'll I'll put, you know, I'll put Dinwiddie in the post now, right? Oh, I'll, I'll buy him Harris in the post. Last
0: year, right. Where's Joe? Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> we'll go, we'll go hunt these other guys out. We know right. you're going to switch everything. We'll hunt them out and we're just going to avoid this. And I think to some degree that probably hurts Claxton's case just because, well, it helps him because they, under I think there's an understanding that he's a great defender. It hurts him because he just doesn't ask, isn't is, get put in the situations a lot because mm. teams would just pass it off. And, and that would be the kind of end of it. Because when you look at his overall, if you look at him as, like, if you've used B-Ball Index, right, where they use, like, for defensive LeBron, uh, which is just a stat, there's a sort of a catch-all sort of metric to kind of see where you land in terms of, like, among your peers. Defensively, there's, like, a group of these guys who are just the total elite on- on-ball and off-ball bigs, and the group is For different reasons, but it's basically like him, Walker, Kessler, Brooke Lopez, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like that's the group. And then maybe we'll throw Anthony Davis in there too, right? And these are like the elite big defenders in the game It's those four guys. And then you have like the other guys that can be that kind of sort of exist around this territory. But like that's the group, at least according to B-Ball Index. And I think that actually passes the eye test too, right? It's like this is a group of these guys are absolutely elite, whether it's like sort of drop big kind of stuff, whether it's help big if it's on ball like switching guy like Claxton with with some weak side shop blocking ability or elite weak side shop blocking ability like that's that's their group of guys I just think that it's funny when you when I say that group like all of those guys are are they all uh, I guess Kessler's not but the rest of them are like all above Claxton in terms of like in terms of defensive player of the year odds right because I think it's just yeah. more, more sort of understood that they're all better defenders but then by certain metrics Claxton exists right with that group it's just like an interesting I think it's just like an
0: interesting eye test kind of thing more than anything else and that's why coming up here in a second not only will we get into the odds for defensive player of the year but we'll also talk about what are the other players on the Brooklyn Nets roster need to do so that Nicholas Claxton can play to the highest possible level we'll dive in on that in just a second All right, before we get to
1: that, I'm going to tell you our friends over on FanDuel America's number one sports book. You get a snap into action for this NFL season. I mean, NFL Sundays on FanDuel. I kind of I'm just kind of living there to be honest with you. You have to be there too. Right now, new customers are gonna get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you have to do for that is you have to place a $5 bet, $5 real money bet, $200 back in bonus bets. You're gonna get that win or lose on that $5 bet, and you're just gonna be able to use those $200 all over the site. They got everything: spreads, player props, over/unders, the aforementioned defensive player of the year odds with Nick, uh, Nick Laxton at plus 2,000. We mentioned Cam Thomas's odds uh, at plus 5,000 over there on our friends on Fanduel when it came to. Um, <laughs> When it came as a six-man of the year, and then plus, just forget about it. When it comes to NFL, uh, the player props are sliced and diced every single way you can imagine, and uh, Fanduel's just got you completely covered when it comes to this. You go to Fanduel.com/slash locked on. You kick off the NFL season with Fanduel, the
0: official partner of the NFL. Okay, so as we continue the conversation around Nicholas Claxton as Defensive Player of the Year opportunity, we remind you, get over to subtext.com slash nets where you can continue this great conversation. Don't forget, it's happening right now. The discussion around Six Man of the Year Award winner Cameron Thomas. Yeah, it's happening. We're continuing that discussion. So you go over and join. It's like getting into that great conversation with all your buddies talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball because that's what Doug and I need to do. We need to talk it, and we need to talk it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, free 14-day trial. Now, um, Nicholas Claxton, so I, I think you're right in a lot of ways about maybe just being able to showcase it. Some of these other names maybe come with that, that cachet of either having being a little more established or you're playing on a market or on a team that is ascending or is viewed yeah. to be trending in a certain direction. I think to your point, we mentioned last year how Nicholas Claxton was ascending, but then everything falls apart with the superstars and it's almost like a byproduct became, well, then nobody on this roster is as good as they were when the superstars were there. It was all inflated, and that's true usually for a lot of players in a lot of superstar situations. But Nicholas Claxton has always been this developing, consistently growing defensive player, and now when we go look over at the odds on FanDuel, he finds himself effectively tied for 7th, 10th listed here, just behind Brooke Lopez and Joel Embiid, though. They're both at plus 2,000 there, and then moving up the list with Draymond Green, Rudy Gobert, Bam out of Bio, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Mobley, and triple J leading the odds here. Does this feel how many guys, Doug, just like when we talked about cam Thomas, how many guys can we clear out of the way here for injury? They're going to take a dip here in their play. Let's get, I want to get Nicholas class like top six, top five.
1: Yeah, unlike yeah, unfortunately, unlike Cam Thomas yesterday, (laughs) it it is harder. It is harder to clear off these guys. uh, I think one by one. I think with Cam, we saw that we could tell ourselves pretty nice stories around why you could exit guys. Now, I think that that same logic would vault other guys we hadn't thought about into the running probably Mm -hmm. at some point. So that kind of works both ways. With this one, it's tougher. The biggest knock honestly on Claxton for this award right now actually has little to do with the skill and more to do with the Nets as a team. Uh, I think that unfortunately is probably where he gets hurt the most. And again, go back to what we said in the, in the, in the top here, it was exactly what happened last year. Like exactly what happened had actually nothing to do with Nick Claxton and had everything to do with the team. When Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are on the team, the team is high profile and they're a championship contender and he's out there in, you know, in a bunch of just nationally televised games. He's got a bunch of highlight blocks. Like, um, he's a perfect complement to what those two guys could do on the court. And the team was really good. Nothing about him changed at all at the trade deadline, except that those two dudes left. And now, all of a sudden, the team was way worse across the board. Yeah. And it was like, no, nah, it's just not that exciting anymore. Because if you look at – literally, is the only difference. There's no other difference. Because if you look at his stats at the end of the year, his stats – it wasn't like things dropped off for him it was just right. that the team dropped off right blocks per game second blocks overall second right like uh defensive box plus minus seventh uh, behind guys that just weren't going to really qualify and they probably weren't going to end up playing enough games anyway like so it's not like it, it's not like really much changed about him the problem with that list of all those guys that you mentioned above him is they all just play on teams that are just way better than the nets and unfortunately with defensive player of the year Your team, you have to be, unless you're Rudy Gobert, like you need to basically have like a pretty good defense, um, offensive season to just kind of be noticed to for starters. And then, two, your team just has to be good. And I'm just concerned with the Nets here with Claxon that actually will be the biggest knock on him is that the team is just not going to be anywhere near as good as. You know, Triple J, who's already elite with Memphis, obviously Mobley. I would have to go with all the guys. But, like, all these guys are on playoff teams. He's actually the only guy except for Walker Kessler, and I guess Wembeon right below him, that wouldn't be in the playoff picture probably. And and that's just a testament to how good these guys are. But you can't put them all the way to the top because the teams just aren't good enough.
0: And one of the guys, I think the only guy that I would look at on this list and I would say, which maybe is going to seem odd, but but like Rudy Gobert would be the guy based on team yeah. and based on what he is as a player, like a very defensively focused individual. That would be the guy that I actually think like Nicholas Claxton should be whichever way you want to move it. Nicholas Claxton up or Rudy Gobert down. They should be kind of 1A and 1B when I think about what their impact is, the team that they play on. What is it going to look like in the Western Conference, obviously, for Gobert with the Wolves? Like, I I see that as oh, a little bit of name cachet is clearly put on Rudy Gobert for what he has been well deserved, right? And Claxton's gonna have to work a little bit harder to get into that category. And and by the way, with Gobert too, like just like
1: total fatigue around that too. Like he won it, he won a bunch of years, and now it's kind of like, all right, we're done with this. It's the same guy. He did have a drop off last year in terms of just like uh, box plus minus defensively, but I'm with I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that like at some point too you just get fatigued. You're like, we just did you know, this a million times. Like he never got any better. He's the same guy. Okay. Do we need to keep voting for this guy? Defensive player of the year. Even if it was right. I do think that
0: kind of stuff matters. I was going to say, cause then let's look like just, just the triple down here on this list, I'd say it's triple J Evan Mobley. And then you can pretty much go past all the other guys who have, who've won this award, who are the maybe a little bit fatigue factor around them. And then you would jump past. That's way like Walker Kessler or when Yama, right. Coming in as a rookie at plus 2,500, like that's the jump through all the other guys that have already kind of checked this box for themselves, but it's why probably a guy like Triple J, who is well-established in that role coming into the season, seems like the fun, easy, sexy pick to do because he's a younger player. He's the ascending talent in that role, whereas a guy like look, is Draymond Green? Draymond Green's always been a high-level defensive player. We're going to go ahead and talk about him again, in you know, the defensive okay. player of the year kind of role. When we then turn our attention here over to what is this going to look like on court? for the Brooklyn nets. And what does Nicholas Claxton need from the players around him in order to be as successful as possible on the defensive end? You did mention one thing there though. Quickly let's touch on the offensive game. When we're talking about defensive player of the year, that is something that Nicholas Claxton can control for himself, right? I don't think that the rim running floor spacing not floor spacing, rim running and getting attacking at the rim will be enough. It looks great. It's phenomenal. And he's demonstrative when he gets those opportunities. But we need to see that next step for his offensive game, the little turnaround jumper, right? Something that expands away from the basket just enough so that you don't think of him, whether we view it this way or the league does, as a guy that is solely defensive valuable. He has to do enough on that offensive end, whatever that's going to look like, To say you're a consistent, what, 8 to 10 point scorer to go along with the elite defensive performances, that probably moves the needle here in terms of being able to get elevated into this category.
1: Yeah, like it kinda of in some ways happened with Triple J last year, right? He played, right. he stayed a few he a little less foul trouble for him. So the minutes crept up by more than a minute, right? He shot better from three. So the points went from sixteen a game to almost nineteen. Right. Like he had these little mm-hmm. incremental kind of things that happened, which kind of helped tell you the whole narrative. I think with Claxton. That's going to be tougher. I mean, remember like this guy was basically, I think he was first in field goal percentage last year. Uh, It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. First overall field goal percentage. Now they're all dunks, right? So it's like, um, it's easier to make all your shots when every single time you're dunking. I agree with you though, the, the, that other part of the game has to change a little for you to enter the conversation because it just feels better, right? It just feels nicer when you're a voter and you're like, Oh, the guy's just overall improved. And now all of a sudden, you know, now all of a sudden I can feel better about voting for him because it's sort of like a, like he doesn't, again, need to, it's it's all about narrative, right? To some degree, like he doesn't need to be so much better defensively, but when all of a sudden the offensive stuff just looks better, you feel better about the vote. I'm I'm fully convinced that's part of the case here Uh, and it's not totally fair, but it's just kind
0: of the way the award works. And that's why coming up here in a second, let's talk about not only highlighting where Nicholas Claxton has come in terms of games and minutes played over the past four seasons, but what does Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson and the rest of the offensive supporting cast need to do so that Nicholas Claxton can elevate his game and get into that conversation for DPOY coming up next. All right. Before we get to that, I'll tell you about our
1: friends over at Jace Medical. Look, when you're when it comes to medical stuff, the last thing you want to do is wait for something. If you really, really need it, you want to get out there. You want to have the medicine that you need in emergency situations. You don't want to be inconvenienced with trying to get into a doctor's office, trying to get uh, an appointment, trying to just get the prescription you need when you kind of know what it is that you need to take care of. Jace Medical. Has figured this out. Their Jace case provides five life saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case, you know, is just fill out a simple online form. In some cases, you just jump on a quick call with the board certified positions that they have right there, and you're going to get what you need. This place is doctor created, doctor recommended. And they're going get, to get you what you need in a timely fashion. I've been through this, right? Like you, we talked about this before, but we had a full family case of the strep throat going on here. It was a disaster trying to get into doctor's office. It was a disaster trying to get the, the prescriptions that we knew we needed. Jace Case solved the whole thing for us. They're going to be able to solve it for you, too. You can save more than three hundred sixty $360 getting life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical. Plus, you're going to get an additional $20 off by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E
0: medical.com, code locked on. All right, so as we wrap our, our discussion, wrap up our discussion around Nicholas Claxton, chance to be defensive player of the year, and maybe just chance to take his game to an additional new level. Always a reminder that Doug and I love to do when it comes to Nicholas Claxton. Came into the league, And he played 15 games, then 32 games, then 47 games. And this past year, 76 games, minutes, 12 and a half, 18.6, 20.7, and 29.9 this past year. We are still now, I think also the way that we can think about Claxton taking the next big step is him being ready for that level of 30 plus minute workload. There's no substitute for doing it over 70, 76 games, right? You can't simulate that level of grind. So the fact that he now, this past season, did that and on the back end of the year continued to see a big role and maintained that level that we wanted to see from him after Kevin Durant and after Kyrie Irving, now he can go back out and I actually think probably be arguably more effective, more efficient, and certainly not maybe suffer some, f- some from the factor, which early in the year we saw. By the end of the year, I think he was fine and he was starting to acclimate, but he was not full steam ready for 30-minute shifts from game one of last season.
1: Yeah, this has been sort of a natural progression. We've talked about this a bunch when it comes to Claxton, that it's sometimes hard to think about it this way because it seems like he's been on the team for way longer than he actually has. Uh, it seems like he's been around more than he's actually played, which is true, mm-hmm. right? Because he's had so many things that just sort of got in the way for him early on. Illnesses, injuries, like there was a random stuff that just kind of happened that sort of, I don't want to say it stunted the growth, but it just made it so that he really, last year, was year four but it was like yearly year two in terms of overall minutes and we saw just such a ma- massive jump for him um just in that just like encore time confidence like just everything got better everything got better for him and i i do think this stuff's not always linear in terms of overall progression like it's not always this one-to-one curve that goes up the graph and it's just like you have play more in the league and therefore you get better right like there are right. there can be stagnation here but because what he, we knew about him coming out of college, and what we've seen just in terms of work ethic and just overall energy and the stuff that, that sort of seemed, I would say, call it the commitment to get better, like the commitment to try to you know change things at the free throw line, like try to just do things that are going to make him better players. These like little things that show up that just show you there's a commitment to like being the best version of player. It sounds like every player should have that. We know it clearly is not the case. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that it is the case for him, you shouldn't get bonus points for doing it, but you can sure get bonus points taken away for not doing it. And I think we've seen that yeah. with more players than over. We've seen that with lots of players over the years with Claxton. I just feel like that progression for him is still there in terms of like getting better. And I do think that with like, let's say Simmons back in the lineup mm-hmm. and like a full commitment to like really getting after on defense. Cause they're going to need to the defense could be really good. And if the defense is just like a really good defense for the course of a year, that will make up for the things that we mentioned as being problems earlier on around narratives, right? Like if this team can get to like top 10 defense, and it relies a lot on Simmons, but if they can get to you know top 10 defense, which I think is doable, like that changes the narrative. Last year after the trade deadline, they were 15th overall in defense defensive rating. Like, is it crazy to think they get a little better here with middle work cohesiveness? I mean, these are the, th- I've said a couple different things here, but these are the little things that need to get happen between his overall growth and just like sort of the team clicking on this end.
0: Yeah, because he gets to be that anchor. of And a couple of things you touched on there, the free throw shooting, the, the commitment to getting better. And I agree with you, right? You assume everybody does, but not everybody does. Like we know that that's just, it's just true about human beings. Not everybody is going to do the thing you assume is the natural progression of how you get better. If he can find a way, I think, to get better at the free throw line, that's going to change it too, because now you're punishing teams when they foul you on the offensive end. Defensively, you highlight as we get into the rotations and kind of the roster for the Brooklyn Nets. Now there's two questions that come to mind, obviously. The consistency and reliability that Ben Simmons would provide Nicholas Claxton with would be night and day relative to other players that maybe he'd have to lean on. If we're going to talk about getting bigger and having another versatile player that could pick up the biggest man, pick up the five, the center at times for the opposition. That's going to, as we were highlighting before, keep that switch and that versatility and getting onto a different matchup for Nicholas Claxton. Guess what? Now you're stuck with it. You don't just get to go away from it. And when you go in and look at some of the combinations, there's a couple of things I want to touch on here. It goes both defensively and offensively. It should be really interesting to me that when you go and look at the Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Claxton, Dorian Finney-Smith, fin- excuse me, and Spencer Dinwiddie lineup, that was 328 minutes. And they played to a 115-110 split offensive to defensive. So positive. But we don't expect necessarily that Dorian Finney-Smith is going to be plugged into this starting lineup, especially if Ben Simmons is coming back into the fold. We wonder about Spencer Dinwiddie and what that could potentially look like. And when you roll through some of these combinations, do you agree that the combos I'm most curious about are actually not the starting lineup where I think we have expectations clearly for bridges and Johnson, et cetera, but it's about whether or not Nicholas Claxton might get tagged as the first guy to come out of the rotation early in the year could be Ben Simmons. But then what about the second unit? How do we find cohesion where if Nicholas Claxton is not playing with the best offensive players, you still create a lineup that allows him to thrive. Do you have any concern level around that? Because that's, that's where my eye goes is like, who are the dudes that give him complimentary pieces when it's not Ben Simmons, when it's not Mikhail Bridges, when it's not Cameron Johnson? Like this second unit matters a lot for Brooklyn and Claxton has the versatility to help anchor both units for stretches when needed.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure they have the right personnel for him. Honestly, uh, they, right. they, probably <laughs> just don't, that right. <laughs> they probably just don't uh, like they, they, I mean, I think defensively they do in the sense that like, if they're going to this, a lot of the, a lot of these different combinations, if you're trying to switch everything like that is good for him. Right. There's um, where you're not going to get totally punished. Like if you, if you start Simmons, like Simmons, Cam, mikhail claxton and then you know fill in someone else there's really not a ton of ways to like there's not a lot of ton of outs in terms of switching i think the problem the nets will have is one they don't have a lot of complimentary pieces when it comes to his skill set like you know let's say uh on ball pick and roll right like trying getting to the basket kind of stuff lob threat guys like they don't really have that um turn, inter- like you know they don't have a guy like harden harden was perfect for this but So I do worry about, I do worry about Claxton from that point of view. And honestly, the other thing I really worry about for them is that I do think, I think the defense has significant upside here. The offense, I, has pretty limited upside and sometimes defense offense begets defense because when you're just not making baskets you're caught in transition like you it's just harder to be good on defense when you're not set it's this is why like one of the reasons golden state was so good on defense for a lot of year they had great personnel and they made everything <laughs> so like right. they would make every shot and they would always get to reset because they'd always have they'd always just be able to have the best version of their defensive just alignments already set up i do worry the nets are going to struggle on that part that from that standpoint is that they are while they're going to have really good personnel for this the offense could actually have the defense struggle because they're just going to get caught in too many disadvantageous situations so i don't know it's not a great answer I, i i do worry about this though i i don't think they have a lot of guys in this roster that are complimentary for claxton unfortunately
0: and that's why for both, and this will be my closing thoughts, for both Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton, because they're in the similar mold of the offense is a question mark away from the basket, and then the defense can be elite. It's why when you think back just down to the back end guys, the Bazleys and the Watfords of the world, and we talk about training camp coming up, one of these guys working out, one of these players being able to become a contributor because they have some outside shooting ability, that can change the dynamic of what the second unit and these, these blended rotations are going to look like. The other thing that I looked at, because we love to tie things back together, Doug, six-man-of-the-year candidate, Cam Thomas. When you go and look, now, I did this the smart way. First, I looked it up by taking away Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson and you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and said, hey, how does Cam Thomas, Nicholas Claxton play? And the sample size was good, and they had a positive net offensive rating over their defensive rating. And then I did the hard math of take away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving because we have a weird sample size from last year. But here's actually something that's nice to think about. When Nicholas Claxton, and Cam Thomas were on the floor without Durant, without Irving, without Bridges, it's 165 minutes. Now, the net rating is negative, but it's a 110, which is low, but a 113 offensive rating. And this is when you start to get into the weeds about the Royce O'Neals of the world, the Dorian Finney-Smiths, and still needing another offensive player. But the fact that these two guys could coexist, and the fact you've mentioned him before, Cam Thomas, with Ben Simmons and that benefit that it could bring, that may be. The offensive next step for Nicholas Claxton is seeing, identifying, drawing attention, and being able to distribute out to a Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas could be the great unlocker as you blend into the second unit and say, we still have the offensive firepower to be able to allow Claxton to thrive in the role that he has as he goes forward. So all eyes end up becoming around some very young players. And if they get that consistency in that next level to their game, we could be talking about a different kind of association here, knowing that there's a lot of guys here that we need to talk about in the week ahead and weeks ahead ahead of training camp.
1: Yeah, that's what we're looking at, you know, just like sort of some individual outcomes for some of these guys as your best case scenarios, maybe some worst case scenarios too. So there's still tons to dive into uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks as we kind of get into training camp and beyond. In the meantime, make sure you join subtext, join subtext.com slash locked nets. Let's keep the Nets conversation going, baby. Text messages all day long about your Brooklyn Nets make sure you subscribe over on YouTube as well. Best way to
0: help the show. I truly believe in positive synergy, that your positive mindset gives you a more hopeful outlook and belief that you can do something great means you will do something great. Why that's Russell Wilson. Oh, almost RIP with this guy. Uh,
1: and one of the all time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow. Talking more Brooklyn. Nets basketball.
0: Basketball, basketball, <laughs> basketball, basketball, end of career, basketball, basketball,